as a pastor, I do a lot of, uh, you know, weddings and premarital counsel and so forth. And I, I often will talk about conflict because that's probably in, in marriages. You, DU did a study a couple years ago that they could tell with about 90% accuracy which engaged couples would end up getting a divorce based upon how they handled conflict. So this is important that we understand how to handle conflict. But conflict isn't just about marriages. It happens everywhere. It happens on the job. happens in the home. happens uh, in churches. Christians have found many, many ways to disagree over the years. All the different denominations and different movements and things that have happened. I don't know if you heard about the, the guy that was shipwrecked. He got shipwrecked on a, on a desert island, and he was by himself for several, several years. I think it was like three to five years. And uh, a ship came by, and they rescued him. And when they got the guy on the, the boat, the captain looked back, and he looked at the beach, and he said, you have three huts on your, on your beach there. He said, why do you have three huts? He said, well, one was my house, and one was my church. He said, yeah, but you have three huts. He said, oh, that's my old church. <laughs> Whew, that one worked. In the mirror, it's not as funny, but at least it was funny there. <laughs> no. So I want to read to you from Acts chapter 15. And to set it up, Paul and Barnabas in chapter 13, if you haven't if you're new with us uh, or haven't been around for a while, we've been going through the book of Acts. We're reading it, uh, studying it on Sundays, and home groups are talking about it. So we've been reading through the book of Acts. And we, you would have read last week about Paul's first missionary journey where they went out and, and went and spread the gospel and started churches. And so they make a decision that they want to go back to these places where they started churches and go encourage them. Here's what happened. It says... Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us go back to visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul didn't think it was wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Sicilia, strengthening the churches. A couple facts about conflict. These are on your notes. First of all, conflict is inevitable. Have you figured that out? Because you're a human being, because we live in a fallen world, we are not always going to see eye to eye and always agree on everything. Conflict in itself is inevitable. Misery is optional. Today, if you're experiencing conflict in your marriage, you're experiencing conflict in the home, conflict at work, somewhere you're experiencing conflict, guess what? That's normal. The misery that comes with that and the difficult relationships and all that, that's actually optional. There's some things that you can do to make conflict actually work for your good. And God can work it for good if we cooperate with him. Here's another fact about conflict. Even the most godly people have conflict. We're talking about Paul and Barnabas, the apostle Paul. You know, he had conflict. Every conflict has two sides and two viewpoints. That's on there too. 
It's a fact. Every conflict has two sides and two viewpoints. There's always two sides to the story, two experiences, two reference points to why there's a conflict. Each side is also valid. That's another fact, is each side of the conflict is valid. Now, I, I looked up the word conflict, and I wanted to, to see that, you know, what's the definition? What does Webster say? What is different things? And one guy actually came up with this. I don't know if this is true or not, but I thought it was, it was funny enough to actually share with you guys. He said that the root word of conflict means you have the word con, and then you have the word flicted. So afflicted. So you're, you're, you're afflicted inside. There's a tension. There's a, a bound up. And he actually said that's where the word constipation came from, was from the word conflict. So maybe we need a relational brand muffin this morning or a spiritual brand muffin. And I think that's what's going to happen for you. To get the most out of what we're talking about this morning, to get the most out of what, what God has for us, be honest with yourself for a moment. Follow with me on this. Give yourself a little self-evaluation. When you and I have conflict, when you have conflict, first of all, what is typically your first response? When you have conflict, what is typically your first response? Do you react? You find yourself in conflict and bam, the dukes are up, let's go. If the, you, know, you didn't see it coming, but you like a good fight. You're a reactor. Maybe you're a person who withdraws when it comes to conflict. Whoop, you just shut down and, and, uh, and, and you know, stop whatever it is, and just on, internally you shut down. Typically, this isn't all across the board, but is it not true that in conflict, ladies, you guys want to talk it out. Men would rather die than talk it out, right? They don't want to talk and share feelings. Let's just, let's just get this over with. Men want to just get a, a resolution and say, cool, my bad, move on. It's not always how it works between uh, the difference between men and women. Another thing I want you to evaluate this morning is this. What do you typically fight over? What do you typically find yourself having conflict over? Is it unmet expectations? By You had expectations for somebody and they didn't meet your expectations? You know, one of the biggest problems in marriages is always unspoken, unmet expectations. You should know better. You should know this is what I like. You should know this is what I need. And you haven't spoken, said what it is that, that you're, you feel you need, but you're mad at that person. They should know better. And you're, and, you're, and you're stewing on it. That happens a lot. Maybe there's a perceived injustice. You thought there was an injustice done to you. Miscommunication. Typically, most arguments, most conflict are over miscommunication or hurt feelings. Third thing to evaluate would be this. When I'm in conflict, what's my primary goal? When I'm in conflict, what's my primary goal? Some of you would say, to win, hello, duh. I mean, but that doesn't always work, does it? I think for ladies, often to, uh, your primary goal is to be understood. You want to be understood. You want someone to understand your perspective. Men, we just want to resolve because we just want to move on, right? That's why little boys fight it out. Boom, 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 get it over with, shake hands and move on. But that's not how it works in the real world as we get older, right? Wouldn't that be good if we could actually just duke it out? Take some boxing gloves at work and you won't really hurt somebody? <laughs> well, you're not laughing at that, but that would be good. <laughs> I would like to do that sometimes. But. And then lastly this, how well 
do I handle conflict? Give yourself an honest evaluation. How well do you feel you handle conflict? Maybe on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the best, 1 being the worst, where would you rate yourself in that? One question I always ask young couples and engaged couples is, how, how was conflict handled in your home? How did your family do conflict? That's a great indicator. In my household growing up, for the most part, we just yelled and screamed and said our piece and then said we were sorry later. How many had that happen in your house? So lift them high enough so I can see. So the rest of you had the families where no one talked about it, right? You were just, you stewed on it and you just stuffed, stuff, 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 stuff until one day, the volcano happened. Well, when you get in a relationship where two people have two different models of conflict, how conflict was modeled growing up by family and parents and, and siblings and so forth, it, that in that DU study for marriages, they said that the biggest problem in conflict resolution is, is if you had one person who is a pursuer, they want the conflict ended now. They don't like conflict, so they're, gonna, they're following the withdrawer. The other person's a withdrawer that psh, needs some time, needs some space, needs a half hour, an hour, a day to just you know, kind of recalibrate and try to figure out what they really feel. If one person's a pursuer and they're following that other person around the house, let's get this settled, let's get this settled, that's when the biggest problems come in into marriages. It doesn't mean that it's the end of the world for you. It means you need to learn how your spouse handles conflict and you need to come together and, and get on the same page when it comes to handling conflict. Or your kids or coworkers or whoever it is you're having, having conflict with. That's important. Me being raised in that type of environment, it's good that I married an Italian woman, right? Janelle's not laughing yet. She's laughing inside. Typical, uh, here's some typical ingredients to conflict that you find in this passage of scripture between Paul and Barnabas. They have this sharp disagreement that they had has the, the typical ingredients of conflict. And tell me if this is not in your current possible conflict relationship or situation. First of all, there's trust issues. Paul didn't trust John Mark. He didn't, he didn't, there was a trust issue that was going on there. There were definitely unmet expectations between Paul had expectations that Mark didn't meet. Then there's family dynamics. Here's something insight into this passage that's important is Barnabas and John Mark were cousins, right? So family, you always want to give family a second chance, right? But if they're not your family, chuk, chuk, oh, no, they did me wrong. They screwed up. It's easy to check them off. You ever notice that it's okay for you to talk bad about your family, but if anybody else does, it's on? You know, you, you can talk about how dysfunctional your family is, my family, this, somebody else does. Hey, don't talk about my family like that, right? <laughs> That's what we do. That's how we're wired. There's that blood is thicker than water. And then strong opinions. Probably in your conflict, there's a strong opinion about something. They said they had a, a sharp disagreement. Then even personality differences. Total personality differences between Barnabas and, and Paul. Mark had, had let them down and Paul was done. 
Now, Paul was a very driven man. He needed to be driven. God picked the right guy, the right temperament when he picked Paul. He was a driven, driven man. You know what Barnabas' name actually means? Son of encouragement. So Barnabas is an encourager. Yes, a second chance and all of that. Paul's like, no, he, he, he failed us. We can't have failure on these missions. We can't have failure on this. He was done. So I got to thinking about this. If, do you ever wonder, is Satan behind this argument? Was the devil behind these two coming into this sharp disagreement? If he was, it surely backfired on him. Because of this disagreement that happened, the ministry got doubled. Paul went on his journey, and Barnabas went on his journey. So the gospel still went forward. What could have like split the church doubled the work of the ministry. And so if, that, if, if, if the enemy was behind this, it backfired on him. And, and maybe some of you are thinking to yourself, but okay, who was right in this conflict? You're the, one of those type of people. You've got to know who was right. Who really was in the wrong and who really was in the right? We don't really know. We don't ultimately know. Paul was called by, by God. He, he was filled with the Spirit. Obviously, he, he fill, still had flaws, but somehow God worked it for good. He took a negative and turned it into a positive. And I believe that's what God wants to do in our lives today and teach us how to do that. I'm going to take the next few minutes and talk about that. How do you have a good fight? How do you let conflict, the the inevitability of conflict, not become misery? Because I know this. I can do conflict God's way or I can do it my way. And my way is usually, you know, hold a grudge, get mad, react, whatever it is. It's you too and you know that. You just do it in a different way. But God's way is altogether different. You know, when, when he, how he wants us to handle conflict. So the first thing I want you to write down this. If you're going to handle conflict right, write this down. I need to discipline my heart ahead of time. I need to discipline my heart ahead of time. You need to put, just as you go to the gym to get yourself in shape or you eat right and it takes discipline. It takes discipline to discipline your inner person, your heart ahead of time. Those of you that, that are, are familiar with Scripture, you're familiar with Jesus, how many times have you prayed, and the peace of Christ, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus? Right? You've heard that Scripture, right? Tell me if you have. Good. The context of that passage is so important for you to understand what he means by the peace of Christ that, that will guard our hearts. The peace of Christ in what the passage that Paul is, is, you're quoting there, is not some subjective cosmic experience. It's about people getting along. Let me prove my point to you. I'm going to read to you from Philippians chapter 4, 1 through 9. Paul says this. He says, therefore, isn't it funny that Paul's writing about conflict and he was the one that experienced conflict? I think that's beautiful how God does that. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you and long to see you, dear friends, for you are my joy and the crown I receive for my work. Now I appeal to Iodia and Syntyche. Please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. And I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women, for they worked hard with me in telling the others the good news. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are written in the book of life. 
Always be full of joy in the Lord. Say it again, rejoice. Let every, everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things, these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Do you catch that? So the peace of Christ is not just something I pray that would, would fall on me spiritually. It's something that I also pursue in getting along with others. He appeals to these ladies who were co-workers in Christ that had some sort of disagreement that was going on. And he's telling them, if you want to experience the peace of Christ, get along. How do, you, how do you prepare for that? You put in the work ahead of time. He says, fix your thoughts on what's true. Fix your thoughts on what's honorable. Meditate on the cross. Meditate on what Jesus did for you. Meditate on the love of God. Meditate on the forgiveness of God. If you're having a hard time forgiving people, if you're having a hard time in conflict right now, I'm going to meddle just for a second in, in, your, in your quiet life. You're probably not spending a ton of time in God's word. You're probably not spending a lot of time thinking about what Jesus did. You're thinking more about what's happened to you rather than what happened to him. And when you think about what happened to him on your behalf, you're a different person. That is so important that you put that work in. Remember God in the middle of your conflict. Are you upset about the same thing that he gets upset with? That's important. There is a righteous anger, but it's, it's what does God get angry about? Usually the fact is no. It's my wounded ego. It's my hurt feelings. It's my per perception of how, how somebody might perceive me. You got to remember your identity in God. It's not the end of the world when you go through conflict. Your world is not going to end because you have a conflict. Don't be afraid of it. We, as God's people, we as a church, we as family, need to learn to walk through conflict in a healthy way because it is inevitable. So important. I remember years ago when I was doing youth ministry, um, I was at a prayer meeting of all places, right? We were having a prayer meeting. There was a guy who was one of my, uh, he helped. He was a, an adult leader. and He was a parent of a couple of the kids in the youth group. And he was frustrated with me for some reason. And he, one day at this prayer meeting, kind of just went off on me how I didn't, all the things that I thought I was doing good. You ever been there? All the things you think you're doing good. And somebody's telling you how wrong you're really doing it. And it, it hurt. I remember being angry and hurt and frustrated. And I left that conversation. And I went and talked to a pastor friend about it. And he just kind of put his hand on my shoulder. And he says, Scott, you're not going to last very long in ministry if you don't learn how to Stop taking these things so personal. And maybe that's true for you today. What conflict are you taking too personal on the inside rather than getting a bigger perspective and finding your identity in God and not what everybody else thinks about you? Remember, God can and will work it for good if we cooperate. So discipline your heart ahead of time. Second thing I want to tell you is this. If we're going to do conflict right, I need to learn to walk in the spirit. I need to learn to walk by the spirit, in the spirit. What does that mean? Well, the Holy Spirit is God. 
There's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. And God the Holy Spirit, when you become a follower of Jesus, when you trust in what he did, Scripture says that that's what it means to be born again. You were spiritually dead and now you're spiritually alive. You're awakened because the Holy Spirit has come to live in you. That's why you see your need for Jesus. That's why you see your need to to change and to live differently. It's because the Holy Spirit has come inside of you. And so Paul, in his letter to the Galatians, is telling us that we don't have to walk in, in, in whether it's conflict or, or lust or arguments or whatever, we don't have to walk dominated by sin. We don't have to walk dominated by the sin nature anymore. He actually tells us how we can, can walk in the new nature. Today, if you're having conflict, um, unresolved conflict, you find yourself edgy, you find yourself grouchy, this passage is for you. Here's what he says. So I say, walk by the Spirit... And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. And the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. So that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft... Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's important. If you're wanting to walk out the Christian life, you're wanting to walk with Jesus, learning to walk in the Spirit is so important. And it's, 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 it's really, if you can picture with me, yielding to the Spirit. When you pull up to a, a yield sign, what, what do you do? You let the oncoming traffic go first and then you follow. So the picture in your mind, the Holy Spirit says, I will lead you if you'll let me. And he's going to prompt you. He'll quicken you. You know, when you want to throw a fit of rage or you want to do this, he'll say, no, don't do that. That's, that's not the, the life I have for you. And you'll feel that prompting. It's up to us to respond and to say, okay, I believe you, God. I believe you know what's best. So when it comes to conflict, when you walk by the Spirit, you won't res- you'll respond rather than react. If we were to be honest, probably most of us are reactors. We react to conflict. Walking in the Spirit is... You lower your dukes. You're no longer going to stand there with your dukes up ready to, ready to fight. And he says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all these good things. I was thinking about this. You don't see trees struggling to produce fruit. Have you ever seen a tree out there going, uh, I'm going to pop this orange out. Come on, so help me. I will pull it up. God. I'm going to do it. Watch God. And out pops an orange, right? elementary illustration, but we do that as Christians. God, watch me. Watch me, God. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to be patient. Why the heck did that person just cut me off? How dare they do that? Don't they know I'm late? You know, and okay, you're going to be patient, right? I mean, you pray for patience, you're going to be, it's not a holy zapping that happens. It would be so cool if we prayed for patience and God put us in the microwave, bam, patience, ding, and out comes patient Scott. You pray for patience, you are going to have opportunities to exercise patience in your life. 
And sometimes we need to almost put ourselves in situations that make me have to practice patience so that God can produce that fruit. If you want, if you have, if your life is producing bad fruit, and you saw that bad fruit, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, etc. If your life is producing bad fruit, you need a root system change. Because roots determine the fruit in a tree. You plant an orange tree, you're, gonna get, you're not going to get apples. And so what really happens in the Christian life is when somebody trusts Christ, puts their hope in him, the miracle of the new birth the miracle of being born again is that my root system had a complete change. Well, I'm no longer producing bad fruit, but I begin to produce good fruit. And learning how to, how to, how to walk in that, it doesn't mean that we're perfect or you're never going to fail. Heck no. Ask my family. They know how much I fail. You guys know that. But I'm, I want to strive for producing, letting the Spirit produce good things in my life. And so do you. Has the, has the miracle of the new birth happened to you? Do you know that it's happened? How, how do you know? Today, if you're saying, you know, Scott, I am going to trust Jesus and realize and give my life to him and know that he came and he died for me and he rose again and he lives in me by the Holy Spirit, then you can have that assurance and that you're pursuing a life that's pleasing and honoring to him. Has that happened to you? Cry out to him today. Say, Lord, I want that to happen to me. Third thing is this. I need an attitude of forgiveness. If I'm going to have a, a good fight, if I'm going to handle conflict right, I need an attitude of forgiveness. And that's cultivated in point one as you prepare your heart through the word and fixing your thoughts on what's good and righteous and the things that are... God wants us to, to meditate on. And I would tell you this. When you get in a conflict, if you can overlook it and move on, do it. That's so much better. If you're in a conflict and something happens and you think, you know, they're having a bad day or, you know, the waitress, who knows what's going on with the waitress, why that happened or whatever. I mean, from a little thing like that to, to a closer relationship and you can blow it off, that's, that's probably best. But... If you can't, and you know that there needs to be some sort of reconciliation, there needs to be a resolution, I would challenge you, forgive in your heart before there's even an attempt at resolution. Say in your heart, Lord, I release this person. God, I don't know why they're going through what they're going through or how, why they said what they did, but Lord, I just want to forgive them. You've forgiven me so much. I forgive them. And then it's good to come together then. There's always two sides to, to every situation, always two sides to every conflict. Sometimes your conflict is just the perfect storm of you're having a bad week, this person's having a bad week, and it just, boom, it hit at the, at the right time. And if you can see that and ask God to give you that kind of vision and attitude of forgiveness, you're going get, to get along in life so much better than if you're always judging and, 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 and feeling this sense of hurt feelings and, and you can't overlook. Because this is what Paul tells us in Colossians. There is no book of Colossians. Colossians. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I love this. 
Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. One thing I know about forgiving is forgiving is not forgetting. Some of you have been through some hard things, betrayal, whatever it is. You've been through some difficulties. To forgive doesn't mean you're going to forget. I don't believe that's reality. Forgiving at its most core is, first of all, I'm not going to take revenge on the person that hurt me. And when I, when I say I forgive them, I'm not going to bring it up over and over and over and keep bringing it up. I'm not keeping score. And a great indicator of whether you've truly forgiven somebody or not is can you pray for them? Can you pray for them and bring them before the Lord? If you can, you can know there's something that's happened in your heart. And I challenge you today, if you are a Christ follower, forgiveness is not an option. You don't, you don't get a choice whether, ah, yeah, but Scott, they really, no. It's not an option. Forgive as Christ forgave you. Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer. You know, forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. He, does, he didn't give an option there. And Jesus actually gives a commentary on the Lord's Prayer on only one part of all the Lord's Prayer. At the end of the Lord's Prayer, he says, if you can't for, forgive others, your Heavenly Father won't forgive you. Wow. The depth of that is... I am show, if I am unwilling to forgive another person what they've done, then I'm showing that I haven't truly received God's grace. I truly haven't received his forgiveness. I'm not saying it's easy. That's where you need the help of the Holy Spirit. You need to meditate on the cross. You need to meditate on all that God has forgiven you of, and then forgiveness becomes an attitude of the heart. We want to be good at forgiving. Last thing I want to tell you is this. If I'm going to handle conflict right, I need to pursue peace and walk in humility. Pursue a life of peace and walk in humility. Have you ever noticed that sometimes we want to be right more than anything? It's more important that I'm right than I walk in peace and humility. And some of us are wired that way. We're, you're a fighter by nature. You're black and white. You're an activist. And doggone it, there was an injustice, and I'm going to win and show you why. I would just ask you, chill that out. Because it's not it's, when, you, when you just want to win a fight, you're going to be frustrated, and the people around you are going to ultimately be frustrated. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans 12, 18, this is so good. If it is possible... As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You can't control others, but you do get to control you. You get to control your reaction. You do get to pursue peace. Somebody that's wanting to have conflict with you or, or whatever you're going through, they have the choice to pursue peace or not, but at all costs, you pursue it, he says. As long as it depends upon you, you per pursue peace. If your goal is winning, you're not going to pursue peace and you're not going to walk in humility. There's a, a great book out called Crucial Conversations. And the book is, is written by Joseph Grinney. And he, he talks about how most people in life have never been taught how to speak the truth in love. Which scripture teaches us. We speak the truth in love. Most people don't know how to speak the truth in love. And it, and it affects marriages. It affects parenting. It affects kids. It affects the workplace. It affects churches big time. And what it, what it means is 
is, let's say there was a conflict, and, or somebody disappointed you, or they weren't doing their job, or, or whatever it is, you're too afraid to tell them how you really feel because you might lose them as a friend. You might lose your place on your job. You might, you might lose somebody you know, thinking better of you or whatever it is. And it's that fear of having that crucial conversation. And I so agree with the guy because that's what Paul said. He said, speak the truth in love. And learning to say, you know, and let me give you an example. This, this could happen today. Let's say somebody offends you. And when they offend you, you have a choice at that moment to say, should I just make allowance for, for this and move on? They're having a bad day or I'm going to blow it off and, and move on. That's definitely an option. If you feel in your heart, though, that there needs to be, you can't get resolution that way and you need to actually have resolve, you would go to that person to have a crucial conversation. You would go to them and you would say, listen, you know, when you said that, I'm sure you didn't mean to hurt my feelings. But dang it, my feelings did get hurt. And I, I don't want to have any, anything going on in between us. I don't want to leave any foothold for the enemy. And, and can you help me? And, and usually, what happens when you do that? I'm so sorry. I didn't know what I said offended you. Or I didn't know. Or whatever it is. Nine times out of ten, we f fall into these vain imaginations. And why did that person look at me that way? Why didn't that person say hi? Why did this happen? Why did, and we, whoop, 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 well, they must not like you. And, they, duh, 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 and, and you start believing these little vain imaginations. We need to put those things to death and be honest and learn to speak the truth in love. It's so important that we have, have that. So back to our text. Who was right? Was Paul or Barnabas right? We don't know. But we do get a little insight. And I, I, you can write this down if you want to follow me up on this. 2 Timothy 4.11. Paul is writing to his young disciple Timothy. And he's telling him, he says, bring my scrolls, bring my parchments, bring this. And he said, bring John Mark. He's useful to me. He's helpful. Somewhere he had had a change of heart towards John Mark. We don't know what happened or what resolved. Maybe Paul was applying the, the revelation that he had towards John Mark. We don't ultimately know what happened. But Mark is the same guy that wrote the Gospel of Mark. Peter dictated the Gospel of Mark to him. So he was useful. He was used by God and he had, he had failed somewhere in the ministry. Paul had had this change of heart towards him and there was reconciliation and he, he had a change of mind. God wants to do that in your life. If you've never trusted in Jesus, if you've never, if you don't have that marking point in your life to say, you know what, I've put my hope, I've put my faith, I've given my life over to Jesus, and I believe in my heart that he died for me and that he rose from the dead and and I asked him to come into my life and I asked him to be my savior and forgive me of all my sin, to prepare me for eternity and, and I received that gift of eternal life and then I'm gonna spend my days letting him be the Lord and call the shots in my life. If you've never had that moment, let's do that today. It'd be the best Mother's Day thing that ever happened to anybody in this room that you said, you know what, that's me, I want that. Would you stand to your feet and let's pray together? <clears throat>